Hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for December has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5 and they really are stupendous. Check them out at cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E, fly, and do let them know that you heard all about them here on 5x5. I'm Ian Broom. And I'm Donna Sorensen. And uh, I need to start this episode of the podcast by warning you listeners that there is uh, there's a gale a-blowing outside here in, uh, in, in, in Sheffield in the mid to north of England. And um, it's causing the window area of my um, bedroom slash office to make some quite haunting noises every now and again. Very spooky. I, I thought that my sister was in the room with you. And then you just said, no, no, it's just the wind. That's your sister, the uh, ghost zombie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, yeah, I won't let it distract me, but it was, it's quite a cool noise. I mean, that, if you could use that for some kind of writing inspiration. Not, not that you should write about it, but just like so absorb the kind of spookiness of it and be like, oh, yeah, this is actually a cool place to write. Imagine the idea of someone being sat by a window with the, a spooky noise coming through the window. I don't think it's been done before. I think that's going to break <laughs> all sorts of ground. Well, if it has been done before, it's been done successfully. So what's wrong? Why reinvent the wheel, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so uh, today we're going to be talking about um, all manner of things, which is uh, not very helpful to tell you. So let's be more specific. We're going to be talking about Zoella Gate, <laughs> which has dominated the uh, certainly the um, the UK-based publishing press and uh, and the mainstream press actually over here in in uh, in uh, the UK over the last week or so I don't know if it's hit the US I suspect it must have done in some way because although Zoe Sugg um, is a British YouTube star she is a YouTube star which is of course a global thing so I suspect there are lots of you in the US who do know all about that uh, speaking of the US we have a, a US focused sponsor this week which is Oscar uh, which is a, uh, a, a new and marvellous way to do health insurance. I'll be talking about that later. And, um, and also we have a, a, a kind of uh, more metaphysical listener's question, um, <laughs> which we're going to try and answer. And, um, that scares me. Based on how much we've struggled over plain, straight questions in the past, that's going to be interesting, trying to tackle that. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and if I get time, I, will just like, I would just like to touch on star guides. Style guides or star guides? Style guides. Right, okay. Misheard you there. I was quite interested in star guides. Yeah. Star guides is, you know, I'm sure that's interesting too, but... Well, I could probably make up some stuff about the, um, about the Zodiac and, um, <laughs> and, and it would probably be as truthful as any regular as- astronomer. Astrologer? Astrologer. A- Hang on, one of those is a serious job. Which one is it? <laughs> Astronomers, the serious one. Astrologer. Well, no, we might have some ast- astrologers listening. That's, yeah. Astrologer is the one where they say, you know, a man with hair will come and say words and you will feel good. I think that's the Bible, month. actually. I think that's Christianity. I'm going to have to edit that out. I'm going to have to edit that out. There's no way that I can stay in this podcast. <laughs> I was just thinking that that would be, I mean, quite an interesting line of work to be in, writing astrological things. Presumably, you'd have to be... Um, very creative writer to get into that. People are employed to do that, aren't they? Still in newspapers, are they? They are. Russell Grant, of course, Mystic Meg. There are lots of famous astrologers. But I mean, that, I mean, that's that's coming up with a lot of. Well, you'd have to have a very very creative mind. That's all I can say. <laughs> Indeed. So that's offended a few people in the first four minutes. So let's move on to. Some of your news because you are uh, you're you're taking on um, you're looking for you you've got there's a job there's a job vacancy. Yes, and uh, the the deadline's passed for for it, but um, oh, well, that's, it's been... that's killed that topic then. <laughs> it's not killed that topic. How on earth do you know whether it's killed it or not? Because it's I was, my I, topic. I thought we were telling people so they had a chance to apply for your writing position. Unfortunately, not and. It's very, very tricky with my job position because, first of all, you have to be living in Denmark. Secondly, you have to be fluent in both Danish and English and a writer. That's pretty specific. I'm not sure how many writers who are fluent in English and Danish living in Denmark we have listening to the podcast. 
but I reckon it's probably just me when I re-listen to it. Which is barely ever, so... <laughs> yes. You know, the reason I wanted to mention um, uh, that we have been looking at work for uh, my replacement for my maternity cover next year, um, it's just that it's the first time I've ever looked at uh, other people's CVs with the intention of deciding whether they should be brought in for interview or not. So, so it's the first time you've been in a position of um, assessing other writers in a professional capacity with the yeah. possibility of actually employing one of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, it's, I, f- I find that it was a really interesting exercise just in terms of like, you know, when you're a writer, the, f- the, the, the cover letter and the CV, I mean, they are absolutely everything. And you would not believe the amount of CVs and cover letters that came in with like multiple spelling and grammatical errors in them. Now, were the spelling errors and grammar problems in Danish or English? In English. And were the people Danish or English? English. These ones. And, and, you, and that, was, that was what was you, the most Were you looking surprising. for them to apply in Danish? No, no. I mean, they could apply in Danish or English, but I'd say the candidates that were Danish, it was better if they were applying in English and the ones in English better in Danish so that we could have an immediate obvious mm-hmm. chance to assess their, their other language. Um, uh, yeah, and and you know, I mean, I, I I don't know. What do you think? Can you can you overlook a couple or one no. mistake, or should you, none? No, none. <laughs> I, in I, the bin. I don't. I I mean, yeah, stick it in the bin. I've um, I haven't been in your position, although I could be in the future. My new role would will potentially see me um, in the same position as you, um, and. Um, and 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 so I haven't been in the past, but I have been very much the person who has been doing the interviewing and having to make the decision has very much kind of given me the CVs to look at and give my opinion and feedback, and then they go on and make their make their choice. And um, and uh, yeah, like you, I've seen lots of uh, spelling errors. Um, I've seen just outright grammar disasters and um, bad formatting. Um, just really ill thought out CVs that you wouldn't have expected to have come from a, a writer, and you know it's like uh, you wouldn't turn up to a um, uh, a plumbing audition and uh, not know your pipes. No, absolutely. I mean, that you'd be a disgrace. You'd be sent away. Yeah, it seems with like your the, cloth cap in your hand. It seems the uh, yeah, especially if it was the nineteen forties, <laughs> which it was in my mind. Um, and also just to feedback in general to everybody um things that might seem obvious but um i mean people where they they hadn't put all of their contact details on so it's actually an issue for us to get in touch with them and then you're like okay well now you know bin in the bin again (laughs) you know i mean you shouldn't be having to work to try to find out how to contact people and when these cvs are coming in electronically just in terms of like linking to things that people can see examples of your writing that that seems obvious to me so many people that didn't have anything like that well it's not just because um a writer is you know really should be able to spell properly and um, get their grammar right i mean we're not we, we can't all be perfect all of the time but when it's a job that you're applying for um mm. then uh, and the job is you know writing related then you you better get it right but there's there's more to writing than this of course this is this is what it boils down to it's what you've just said spelling and getting your grammar right and that kind of thing and presentation even presentation even is one thing mm-hmm. but writing is about um structuring information in a way that is the most um appropriate or the easiest for a reader to sort of take in and understand if if you're a professional writer who does copywriting or or um or or you know um writing for the web or whatever it might be like a huge part of your job is arranging content in a way that makes it really easy for a reader to understand and then like like you say no contact details you know there is a call to action the call to action with a cv is get in touch with me and get me in for an interview and if mm. you if you can't get those things right in your own cv then how can you expect someone to give you a job updating uh, a fairly major website in your case exactly and and oh yeah you, you're interested in someone that can do this look at this i did exactly that here well here's here's where i did something slightly different but i think it relates because of this you know 
um, not just writing in a letter, but I mean, if you're writing online, your writing is, is accessible. You, you need to make it accessible to people immediately. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like uh, the basics. So, I mean, this is um, this also relates to um, our conversation uh, a few weeks ago, months actually, where we did our three three episode guide to. Um, well, I wouldn't quite call it a guide, but we covered the publishing process and how to uh, approach agents and and that kind of thing. And we talked about writing a good a good cover letter and uh, synopsis and just making sure that everything was in the right place. It's the same thing. You're it's, you're effectively it's like a written audition, isn't it? And the mm-hmm. first thing to get right is to make sure that everything is correctly spelled um, and um, and and that it kind of it's easy to understand and you know all the things we've just said. So it was, um, I think it was, it was good. It was really good to, to be a part of that because it also, um, I don't know, it just keeps you kind of up to date with what, I mean, people are obviously looking online as well to get advice about how to put together CVs. And it was quite interesting to see that there was also like trends coming through in the CVs about the way they formatted them and the way that they presented them, you know, with different kind of like graphics instead of like writing what they'd done. They had like, you know, you might have pie charts to, to show how your experience was was divvied up and things like that. So it was it was very interesting. Indeed. Well, good luck with that. I hope you find someone. It's a shame that it won't be a listener of the show. Or maybe it is. Maybe a listener of the show has applied for that job. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're sitting there thinking, damn, I forgot my telephone number on it. Indeed. Yeah, great. Um, so, yeah, so that I've been very busy at work. And I'd also just like to say that I've been um, caught up in um, uh, an absolute nightmare making my own Christmas cards again this year, which I normally love. It's taken me three weeks. So think carefully, people, before you go down that that path of making Christmas cards yourself. Um, I, I've seen some evidence to suggest that the process may have been hindered by the involvement of your two-year-old daughter. Is that correct? Hey, did you get... Have you got my Christmas card? No, we haven't got the card. I just saw a picture of her helping you with them, because I know... <laughs> oh, I, God. I, <laughs> yeah. I know that we've uh, we've been doing Christmas cards with uh, our boys, and you know that's this too. You would think, you know, in kind of sweatshop terms, that would make things quicker, but yeah. um, it really didn't. Uh, they were a uh, useless and b often doing Hindrance. something else within two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did involve my daughter, which was great fun, and she loved it. But um, just, just, I don't know why. It just there were so many steps to this process. I love it because. I think it's my only chance in the year where I hand write things to people that I don't get to speak to very often. And I, I really hold on to that against all odds, you know. Yeah, well, that's exactly what Phil Collins was uh, singing about. <laughs> what was he singing about? Just the difficulty with Christmas cards, you know, it's against all the odds for him. <laughs> what on earth are you going on about? Come on. I've been out of the UK too long. That was a brilliant joke. And you've completely trashed it against all odds. The Phil Collins song, extremely famous. Can you T- sing it to me? Oh, take a look at me now. Oh, yeah. Is that the one? Yes, that's the one. Right. Well, how on earth am I supposed to know that's called Against All Odds? Well, I think the rest of us did. Great. Okay. Well, oh, it's a good. Doesn't anyway. change the fact that it is still wonderful to write Christmas cards. And I hope that our listeners are going to receive one. St- <laughs> send me one <laughs> no I don't we're going to get you back on the birthday card subject I didn't mean to bring up that oh dear no but I, I hope people are still writing them yeah I, gi- I, I give a, a small donation to charity instead what instead of writing Christmas cards yeah it's not true I don't do either <laughs> but I should <laughs> Um, are you going to tell us what's been happening in the news in the UK this week, then? Well, I am. we are going to talk about Zoella Gate, which I will explain later, but I think we might be on that for a while. So before I do that, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is Oscar. Um, it's a new sponsor to us. And uh, Oscar is a new kind of health insurance company that uses technology to guide you to better care. Now, of course, I'm in the UK. You, Donna, as I think you know, or in Denmark, in Copenhagen. So but this might not. It is true. We've seen it. It's got, there's evidence there, and um, so this doesn't necessarily apply to us. But I know that it's uh, some of the problems that Oscar solves definitely applies to, to uh, certainly to me in the UK. I don't know about uh, Denmark. You have pretty good healthcare system over there, actually, don't you? Um, but anyway, Oscar is using technology to uh, give people better care. 
So who does Oscar speak to? It's for people who are uninsured and who can buy their own insurance through the new health insurance marketplaces. And uh, the plans that they have cover you from head to toe with simple benefits that anyone can understand, which is obviously tremendous in a plain English kind of way. One of the most frustrating things I find with uh, health-related documents or kind of finance-related documents, any kind of utility bill that comes through is the fact that it's so difficult to understand. But uh, that's not what Oscar does. They make it clear. Their plans include benefits like free checkups, some free generic drugs, free primary care doctor visits, and you can even have a board-certified doctor call you for free 24-7, uh, which is pretty amazing, I think. And that's a service that I would love that we would have here in the UK, especially having children. Um, if you are an Oscar member, you can receive up to $240 a year for reaching specific daily walking goals. Members will be given a Misfit wearable device and uh, that you can track through the Oscar app. And you'll get daily goals, which will be set depending on your previous level of activity. So every member has goals tailored specifically to them, which also sounds fantastic. Um, so what do you need to do? Well, there are a couple of things that you can do. Um, quite excitingly, uh, we have our own custom phone number. Imagine that, that, that you can ring to say that uh, to get in touch with Oscar to find out more. If you want to kind of learn more about their health insurance plans or get a quote, then you can uh, phone this number, and it's specific to you listeners. So when you call, they will know that you listen to this show. So um, if you want to support the show and you want some health insurance, this is the number to ring. It's one eight four four oscar And, of course, that's O-S-C-A-R-29. If you prefer, you can go to a URL, you can go to the website, and that is hi Oscar, as in the kind of hello kind of hi, H-I, hioscar.com slash W-F-Y-L. So that's hioscar.com slash W-F-Y-L. Now, it'd be a good idea to do this fairly sharply. This is going to be published, this episode, on what I believe is the 10th of December. If you want to uh, get started by January the 1st, then you need to sign up by December the 15th. If you are listening after that date and you want to do this, then if you sign up by January the 15th, your insurance will start on February, February the 1st. So um, that's it. It sounds like a, a really interesting way of using technology to get your health insurance sorted and, um, and uh, do go on and check them out. Thanks very much to Oscar for sponsoring the show and supporting uh, 5x5. Indeed, thank you very much. So. So. Now are you going to talk about... No, you're not going to talk about it. So, oh my God, I can't even remember what you called it now. Look, my brain is so full of Christmas cards and job applications. Uh, Zoelligate. I think I might be the only person actually calling it that, by the way. That's not what it's actually called. Yeah, right. You really think that? You think you're the only one? Indeed. Well, for those of you who, who don't know, if you, uh, I, I suspect that quite a lot of people listening probably... If you've been listening to the... Or, or kind of reading the uh, publishing press, and like I said earlier, even the mainstream press this week, you will, you will, uh, you will probably heard of uh, of Zoella, and uh, Zoella is uh, not her name. Her name is Zoe uh, Zoe G and um, she's a YouTuber, and she's an extremely famous YouTuber. Um, her channel has, I believe, over six million subscribers, which is pretty um, <laughs> incredible. And um, and she talks about um, lots of things, but you know it's kind of a fashion makeup um, and you know videos about her life. A few weeks ago, we uh, when you were on holiday, of course, we had um, another YouTuber who is more about uh, books and publishing, um, Sana uh, Vliegentot. And um, and so if you listen to that show, there's a good kind of background into how YouTube communities work. And um, and right at the top of these communities is Zoe Sug Zoella. Her channel is called Zoella, I, I believe. That's the Zoella bit. Um, anyway, I, did, I, I didn't know an awful lot about this until this kind of story broke, um, but it is important in a way. Well, it's not important, but it's kind of, it is big news. And the reason it's big news is, uh, or the reason she's big news is because her debut novel um, came out uh, recently, and I believe it sold 80,000 copies in its first week, which is an absolute publishing first it's kind of broken the record for the most uh, copies sold in the first week of publication and um uh, and so obviously that's incredible amazing that um 
you know, let's be honest, that she has this community that she's built up herself that has kind of taken, yes, we'll subscribe to your video channel and we're interested in watching it too. We're prepared to go to the shop and buy 80,000 copies of your your book. Now, this is where the controversy comes in because I use the phrase your book there and, um, and it seems to be the case that uh, she had a ghostwriter help her. Um, and I say that in a fairly straightforward way because to me... It's a fairly straightforward thing. Ghostwriting is um, its a profession, for crying out loud. Um, it's, it's a kind of viable uh, career for any of us writers. And, um, and so the fact that what is essentially someone who, um, well, let's say she hasn't written a novel before. I don't know her writing background. Maybe she has tried doing some writing before. But certainly not a published novelist, certainly not someone who's got, um, you know, uh, who's written a novel before. Um, and she's famous, she's very wealthy via her fame uh, now, and um, and she got, obviously she has this huge publishing deal with Penguin, and they got someone to write her book for her. With, you know, the, the apparently, you know, the basic storyline and all that kind of thing, definitely kind of, she had a, you know, she didn't just sort of, you know, write me a book, it was, she was involved in some way, but I think the reality probably is that someone else... Um, who we'll come on to in a second because we know who it is now, um, wrote the book for her. Um, so to me, this is kind of a fairly standard sort of thing. The outrage, of course, people are outraged. Um, of course people are outraged. Um, is comes in, uh, becomes because apparently, and I don't really know this because I don't follow her uh, blog and I didn't really follow the story until all of this broke, but apparently she wasn't necessarily or maybe the publishing company wasn't necessarily upfront about the fact that it was ghostwritten so it might have been a little ambiguous as to how much she was involved and i think that's what's kind of upset people apart from the fact that people just like to be upset hmm. um my my opinion is uh, i don't think that they've helped themselves with this in any way whatsoever and i'm going to just read to you now um the statement from penguin so when all, this is all broken this week, it's in all of the in all of the kind of in all of the press, and she herself has said, "I'm taking a few days off, going offline for a few days because this is all a bit too much." And you know, I feel I feel sorry for her. She's ultimately she is a regular person. Imagine Donna. See if you can imagine this. Put put yourself in this position. Imagine this podcast suddenly becomes wildly popular. We have six million listeners. Imagine that, mm. and um, and we get. A deal. What, what sort of deal could we get? We could we could get a deal. They say what we're going to do is we're going to create a new clothing, a right for your life clothing line, um, and we, there's going to be specifically there's going to be uh, a sequin dress that's going to have Donna's face on the back and Ian's face on the front. It could be either way. I'm not trying to I'm not trying Great. to kind of put us yeah, into any kind thanks. of hierarchy. <laughs> you, you can have a buttock if you want. I don't really I've mind. I've got the back end. Yep, and. And uh, and someone says, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll give you a, a fashion deal, as, as I believe they're called, and we would say, oh, that's that's tremendous, and we might say in the meeting, we might go, do you know, I've not designed an awful lot of sequin dresses before, and they say it's all right, someone will help you out, it'll be fine, and uh, and lo and behold, we the sequin dress comes out, and it's it's you know, London London fashion show beckons. I mean, I think you can agree that this is an absolutely perfect analogy. <laughs> this is the weirdest analogy I've ever heard. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm surprised that you didn't use just a basic bog standard literary analogy. But carry on about the the the, the buttock dress. And now we're at London. Well, the reason show. the reason I didn't well, this is that's that's an interesting Fashion point week. you've an interesting point you've uh, raised. The reason I didn't use a literary analogy is because if that did happen and someone said, we'd like to offer you a book deal, we'd go, ha, 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 we don't need one of those. <laughs> We've got one. Um, and it's, uh, it's made us, it's made us a, a small amount of money. Um, you know, we, we, we've already done it, and that's the point. She hasn't done it, and which is why and I've not made a sequin dress, and as far as I know, neither of you. And so what I'm saying is she's just a regular person who started making videos. She must have had something about her in order to amass all of those followers, and she gets this sort of deal. I mean, she's not especially old either. I think she's only early 20s. And, and, 
And you know what? What's she supposed to do? She's not like she's not like she's suddenly going to become a literary genius, and it's not like she's going to turn down the opportunity to to kind of co-write a book. So I think this is the main surprise for people, presumably, is the fact that this happens all the time with celebrities' memoirs, um, where people are writing about themselves because they're interesting, not because they're writers. But th- this was so weird because it was a novel. Well, why should it be a novel? And she said herself that she it was her ideas, her characters, and they still stand by that. But it just seems like such a leap suddenly to, to go from that this person's written this this novel to actually they've had virtually nothing to do with it at all. We've just put her, whacked her face on the front or well, on I can the t- bus, but dress buttocks. I can tell you what they say, and I think that this is why it's pro- this is why it's problematic for me, um, and why I don't think they've helped themselves. Um, so the person who is who who it turns out now, and she's written a blog post just this very evening, I think it's uh, Siobhan Curum, who I, I don't know, but she's a, an author um, who's uh, written several uh, YA books herself and has ghostwritten various books, and she is the person who's you know frankly written the book, um, and so. Penguin uh, released the statement that said this. Siobhan was part of the editorial team, and this is the bit. As with many new writers, Zoe got help in bringing her story to life. If you read the book, it's clear that Zoe's story... uh, Sorry. If you read the book, it is clearly Zoe's story and an expression of herself. As publishers, our role is, and always, always has been, to find the very best talent and help them tell their story and connect them with readers. Ta- talented YouTube entrepreneurs such as Zoe are brilliant at understanding and entertaining their audience. For her first novel, Girl Online, Zoe has worked with an expert editorial team to help bring her- bring to life her characters and experiences in a heartwarming and compelling story. I mean, half of that is an advert for the book, which is frustrating. But the idea that if you read the book, it's clearly Zoe's story and an expression of herself. I mean, that's not that's fine. That's totally fine. I get what they're saying, and like I say, I I don't think it's. Zoe Sugg's fault in any way, really. Um, but if the publisher was just a bit more honest and just said, "Yeah, it was ghostwritten," and people have their books ghostwritten, celebrities have books ghostwritten all the time. But the yeah, whole idea, but- this is an expression of herself. Well, you know, it, I, I know what you mean, but <laughs> that's yeah, not- the expression of herself's going a bit far. But it, I mean, it totally can be her story. If it's her story and her characters, she just hasn't written them. But the idea that uh, this one, this was the bit as well. A, a publisher's role is and always has been to find the very best talent. And help mm. them tell their story and connect them with readers. That's not what. That's not. Well, it's not. I understand the publisher role is and always has been to find the very best talent, no matter what they do. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get a judo fellow in, and we'll have someone who's cracking out the army. But Ian, you talk so much about the fact that publishers are really slow to adapt in this environment, and that there is just sounds like a massively broadened um, mission, which which actually takes everything in and says we are open to all of these things yeah i i i i i get that i understand that and i don't have any problem with what's being done i don't have a problem with a famous person having their book ghostwritten i just think that now that people are being a bit daft about it and i think people are being ridiculous by being outraged i mean who cares but uh, you know and frankly those book sales will help pay for books like mine and yours um that's the reality of the industry um hmm. Uh, but I just, you know, I just think just be a bit more honest about it. Don't turn your explanation yeah. into an advert for the book. And her- but I, don't, I, th- I think it's for not not for for other writers or for the industry or for anything like that. That that this publisher should have been more honest. I think it's for young readers because the, the you know this book is blatantly targeted to young, I imagine young girls um, who are, are going out to buy this thing because it's written by her for no other reason, not because it's you know. It's an interpretation of her characters and blah, 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 all that stuff. So in that respect, I think, yeah, it is completely taking young girls' money when it's not, um, well, you know what I'm saying, I mean, it's it's probably, it could well be quite, quite, you know, a pretty good book. It's been written by someone who knows what they're doing. And it's about cyberbullying and and that kind of, you know, it's a very sort of, current topic so it's you know i can totally understand why people would buy the book but i just think first of all everyone should get off her back but that's not why people are buying the book though well people are buying the book because it's hers but it's not like it's it's not like it's a uh i've not read it so i don't know but i don't think it's necessarily a like a vacuous kind of book it's not like kim kardashian's book of of um instagram pictures which is <laughs> i mean yeah 
but but still, I mean, in this day and age, well, you know, it's so difficult to separate fact from fiction online. And when, you know, this is like institutionalized lying to young kids, it's just going to make things harder for them in terms of like actually finding out what is real in their world. It must be weird being a young kid these days. It really must be having to navigate all this. Yeah, um, but they, but I think that they do it with... Uh, ease because they that's what they that's all they know these are these are the problems we had diff- i mean god we're not that old but we had we had different things to traverse and oh yeah i think you say they do it with these i mean when i when i found out for example that our goldfish had died many years before and my mum had just replaced it with another one to keep me happy i mean i was outraged and this is the same kind of thing like you know young people now are going to in in 10 years they're going to say stuff like what but that that book that I invested like three years, I, I collected all this whatever and I had the posters and we we had a book club that talked about it. You mean it wasn't even written by that person? That's yeah. the same kind of thing, I feel. I don't know but if then. anyone uh, I don't know if anyone does play some kind of right for your life drinking game, but uh, if they do, they're just having a couple of fingers for the mention of your mum. <laughs> Who? Oh my God, about the fish, yeah. Totally. Um, can I add my, my usual absolutely useless bit of information about uh, Zoe Suggs? Yeah, I, think, I don't think there's an S on there. I think it's just Zoe Sugg. That is so weird because when I originally saw her name, I just assumed that she was Suggs' daughter and then I found out she wasn't, but it's obviously stayed in my, my on, brain. Hang on a minute. Is, you're talking about Suggs from uh, the band Madness? Yes. Um, is Suggs his actual name? I think so. His last name. Uh, what What are you basing this on? I'm not. Sh- I don't know. I'm saying it now. I'm not. I'm not being righteous. I don't know. But... <laughs> I thought it was called Andy Suggs. How bizarre! Let me have a look. What Suggs is called? While you're doing that, I will just uh, mention that there's a couple of other fantastic posts. So I'll put all this in the show notes. There's lots of things for you to read. Um, the show notes are where you can go and find links to the things that we talk about. Um, and you can find show notes for this particular episode at 5x5.tv slash WFYL slash 139. And, and it's an outrage, by the way, because Suggs, that's not his real name. He's called Graham McPherson. And all this time, my childhood, I was duped by the music industry to think that he was somebody else. So let me get this straight. Suggs from the band Madness is mm. not called Suggs and... And he's not he's, Zoe Suggs. He's not Zoe Suggs' dad. Oh, dad Suggs' dad, no. Even, just, even though their surnames are spelled differently. <laughs> just to, to rein this back into the useless bit of information I had about Zoe Sugg, um, when I read this, I had no idea this story about her, her book being ghostwritten. I had no idea who she was. I am not into to the same things that she's into, so I had no idea who she was. I was not one of those six million people that follow her on YouTube. Um, but I read that she comes from Laycock, which is a tiny little village, really not far from where I grew up. And immediately, as soon as I found out that, I was it, she was just an ordinary person. I just immediately saw her as like, this could have been someone from my school who was just this thing has like got absolutely ginormous. And I totally understood this thing where she said, you know, she'd retreated from, from the world or the online world, at least for a little while, because this is all, you know, I mean, presumably you don't want to be caught up in some kind of literary storm. Um, so that was very, it was very good for me to see that, you know, actually she's just a normal person. And for our American listeners, I think you should go on and you should Google Laycock, Google images, because it's, it's absolutely amazing. You could not get a more English village if you tried. It's been used for lots and lots of films, Harry Potter ones, all sorts of films. It is so quintessentially English. Imagine, I some- sorry, Im- mm. imagine you're in Laycock now, not now because it's quite dark and blustery, but yeah. tomorrow morning you're strolling through Laycock and you see Zoe Sugg and you 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 want to give her you want to give her a hug. There's a, a little rhyme for you. You can use that in one of your poems. Um, and uh, and and you want to just say something to her. You want to kind of give her some reassurance. What would you say specifically? What would you say in a Somerset accent? I say, don't worry, because like I thought, Suggs was your dad, and he's not. So we can get over these kind of shocks. You'll be fine. Don't worry. And, and to everyone else, we should tell them that that was the accent from where I come from, right? Which I I have not. 
Oh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a light, kind of L I T E light version of uh, the accent, but a very good one. I mean, you can do it. You haven't lost it. <laughs> well, I never had it. I don't think everybody takes on the accent of where they grow up. There, there might be slight twinges, but not everybody succumbs to it. That's not. I mean, we all get slight twinges. I've got um, I've got a bit of uh, bit of the Derbyshire in me, but it doesn't come out very often. I it, only maybe when it you does. say tongue. Tongue or or dug up or flung. If I, if I, if I fling something, it, it becomes flung. Um, Sounds like you're dropping something there. Onomatopoeic. I might, I might tell you there's a few swear words that use the same vowel that uh, that have the same effect. Right. Um, Put those in the show notes too, eh? Yeah. So the, finally, just to finish the uh, Zoella uh, Gates issue, um, what I'm ultimately trying to say is that uh, I don't think it's you know that big a deal in the sense that she's been ghostwritten. I think it's entirely normal. Um, I find it a bit frustrating that she's been singled out for all of this criticism in a, in a way that other celebrities aren't. I mean, if you think of someone like, uh, in, again, this is a UK reference, I suppose, but someone like Jordan, a.k.a. Katie Price, or even various sportsmen and women, um, loads, they all ghosts, have ghostwriters because they're not writers, So they, but they do have a story to tell. Um, mm. And it's usually autobiographies. In Jordan's case, Jordan, by the way, is a kind of, um, uh, she was, well, well, she was a model and she had numerous uh, breast augmentation operations and she became kind of uh, one of those celebrities who have a, ca- uh, a camera follow them around. She's basically a celebrity for the sake of being a celebrity. But people say, oh, yeah, but she's a, she's a canny businesswoman, which may be true, but uh, much of that business does still orient around her chest. Anyway, mm-hmm. she, she published, in inverted commas, various novels, huge best-selling uh, uh, fiction. Not novels. Yeah, yeah. In the UK. Fiction. She's, she's, she's one of the best-selling authors in the UK in the last 10 years. I didn't know she'd done novels. Well, she hasn't. She had a work with a, a ghostwriter. Yeah, but that's uh, obviously. But I mean, I had I had no idea. I thought it was just all kind of autobiographical stuff. Nope. She is one of the best-selling authors in the last decade in the UK. Well, there you go. There you go. And um, but she didn't. I mean, she, I'm sure she has had some criticism, but not in the same way as this. And I've, it just kind of feels like she's being criticised because she's in a she's in a position that most of us would like to be in like the idea of being able to just build something on your own in your bedroom and it become uh something that is like followed by six million people it's kind of you know it's what a lot of people would love to do and to have done that at just 24 i think there's a lot of kind of criticism that is just coming out of pure jealousy so i'm i'm with her i'm also with just to finish off siobhan curum or curum i apologize if that's uh, said incorrectly I'll put a link to this in the show notes. I think just this evening, she has finally... She's not said anything about about it at all until now. Um, she's written a blog post about it, and it's really interesting. The gist of the blog post is basically... Um, I'm not able to talk about specific details of the novel, but yes, I did ghostwrite it, and I'm getting lots of messages about it, which are just not true. And she's kind of defending herself, saying, I didn't do this to get rich. I am a writer. I am a ghostwriter. This is my job. This is what I do. And I have no interest in fame. Um, and she has a brilliant line, which is a brilliant line that says, All I want to do is be a good mother to my son and to carry on with my work or something like that. Um, and she's very proud to have worked on the novel. And there's not a lot more to it than that. I would not like to be in her shoes right now. No. Not with the way that people respond online to things. No. No. Anyway, should we move anyway, on to? Uh, have you uh, got? Have you got? I've not- got a quick, quick other bit of news. Oh, okay. a quick, quick another bit of news. No, quick another bit um, nugget about the fact that the Pulitzer Prize has expanded uh, its eligibility to include online and print online magazines and print magazines, um, which I think is very interesting. I always thought that the Pulitzer Prize covered quite a broad range of writing um, formats. Anyway, so. Um, so there you go. We and, can all uh, aim now to win a Pulitzer Prize for uh, for online magazine work. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd love to do it. Did I say this last week? I, lo- I do lose track of what I've said on this podcast. Did I say that I'd kind of, one of my ambitions is to set up a a, a, um, a, uh, a literary magazine, an online literary magazine? I really want to do it. Like a pr- do, it do it really well. I think I've got the technical skills to do it, to do it properly. But um, it just takes a lot of time to kind of accept submissions and 
you know edit them and let people down gently and all that kind of thing i'm not sure i'm not sure i've quite got the space in my life at the moment but yeah i think that it's good that those types of things are now potentially um uh, eligible Brilliant. um great uh last thing i'd like to mention because we can go on to listeners questions and and, and the rest of the show um, i'm not sure how much time we have left probably not a lot um i just wanted to point our readers to um an article in the new york review of books this week by tim parks <clears throat> which we'll put in the show notes, where he suggested that um, the human race is really not achieving its potential for the simple reason that we're not all reading books with pens in our hands and annotating and questioning and underlining and critiquing as we read. Um, I don't know if you, uh, you've you ever done that, Ian, with a book? Mm. No, and we're know. just talking about novels here. So say you go down and you say, oh, I must, I've been meaning to read that for a while. Looking forward to sitting down and getting absorbed into the world. And, and Tim Parks is saying, no, make, reader, uh, make writers rather work harder for their place on our shelves. Like question what they're saying down to the you know, absolute nitty gritty of it um, and, uh, and pull things apart. Um, and I just, I felt tired from reading it. And there's a picture of a book that's been like scribbled all over. And it's, it's true that, you know, we do, we do have this idea that books are sacred and you can't ruin them. Like even like you don't want to bend the spine and all that kind of stuff. You know, we like to have them looking good on our shelves. And maybe not everybody feels that way. Um, but I just, I felt, it just exhausted me to imagine that I couldn't just escape into a world of a book without, without, you know, being able to just totally let go. Well, I think that's one of the problems I I have with reading now that I'm uh, now that I have less time and now that I'm tired when it gets to sort of late evening, which is when I used to read. I think it's because I am I do struggle to just switch off and read. I do I do and I enjoy reading and kind of inspecting in detail what the author is trying to do. I mean, not always. Sometimes you just when you get into a book, you get into a book, you get lost in it, but. Most of the time, I'm kind of aware that I'm reading a book by someone who is, um, who is, uh, you know, making decisions and the kind of decisions that I make when I'm writing books. So I, I do find it difficult to make that distinction. Interestingly, though, certain nonfiction, I do seem to be able to do that. And I, 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 I recently read Kevin Peterson, the English cricketer's uh, shocking autobiography, and I absolutely rifled through it in about three days. Um, but maybe that's because I was, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm interested in cricket and his story, which I won't go into here, is kind of a, a controversial one. So it was, you know, it was a real kind of riveting read for someone who's interested in that subject. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I feel exactly the same way um, reading books now since since I've had a book published. I feel like I am naturally more critical or more interested in whether they've done something repetitively or why they've done stuff. And I agree that it's more difficult actually to find books where you can just completely disappear into them without thinking too much. I have had a, a couple of Cormac McCarthy books where I've read it and I've the only times I've really stopped is when I thought something was so gorgeous as an image that I've wanted to remember it. I've wanted to write it down or just, you know, just let that moment kind of stay with me. But critically, I haven't sat there and, and, and made notes to say this is just absolutely ridiculous, like this contradiction. Why are they saying this? But I do I do know what you mean, that it is more difficult to be a reader when you're a writer. I think that's just simply the way it is. I think so too. I've just realised that we haven't talked about star guides, which is uh, not that big a deal. We can do that next week, maybe. Okay. Um, do we have time for a listener's question? Uh, we do, and um, and uh, it's a it's a metaphysical kind of question. If I've remembered the correct use of the word metaphysical, probably not. It's been a while since I did my degree. Um, so as usual, I put out on Twitter. You know, I said, "Has anyone got any questions for us? We're about to record the podcast. Any any writing questions?" And. Um, uh, at Sweating Commas, Jason Ramos, who has previously been on the show, actually, um, quite a long time ago, but he's been on the show, um, he responded with, how dare you? And, um, which is a question. And, you know, I, I sort of laughed and thought, you know, good one, that's a good joke, you know, um, got any questions, how dare you? 
And um, and then I thought, well, actually, maybe we can run with that. Maybe we can, maybe that is something that's that's uh, talkable about, because um, it kind of reminded me of a conversation I had the previous evening um, on on Twitter. It wasn't really a conversation; it was more of a, a kind of a, a three or four tweet exchange. And it's something that I've been thinking about myself over the last few months and i've kind of alluded to it before on the podcast which i'll come on to but basically he said how dare you now i kind of i'm transferring this into a conversation about you know how how dare we uh writers you know how dare we seek to ask questions from people on twitter how dare we write uh blog posts and expect people to read them how dare we create podcasts and expect people to listen you know what is it about us that uh, thinks that we have the right to put our voice into the world and um i don't know i think it's uh it's it's uh, a difficult one to answer and i struggle to i don't really know what's what it is in me that makes me not just want to but really enjoy the uh the idea and the action of of creating a podcast and showing it people and saying listen to this or even just having a website with my own name in it because if i think about it um not many of my friends in real life do do that there aren't many of them. Some of them might have their own company where they might have their company name. And yeah, a handful of them um, may have their own websites for one reason or another. But I can't think of many. And those that do have like their own blog or something like that, they don't think about it or treat it in the same way that me and you treat this podcast in the sense that we turn up every week and we we've got to the point where we're on a network and we have sponsorships, that kind of thing. You know, we take it relatively seriously, believe it or not. And and most people don't do that. And so the other conversation I, I, I had that this reminded me of um, was with Erin um, uh, uh, Feldman on Twitter, is Erin M. Feldman, um, who I think listens to the show. I'm not sure. I think so. Um, and she was responding to a tweet by definite friend of the show, iMike, who is now the... Uh, Michael Hurley, who's now the uh, emperor of Relay FM. He uh, and used to do the show with me. He... Um, um, he was asking for problems people have when they're creating things, or confidence, confidence. And I kind of made a quip, which is half true, that um, having your novel published makes you much less confident than you were when you had your first one published, something I've talked about on the podcast before. And Erin um, replied, and, and, and she's doing a, a sort of a Kickstarter thing, and she's uh, she's basically said, yeah, I can relate to that, it's it's really difficult. And um, and And so I replied, I said... And I did it without really thinking. It was only afterwards that I thought about it. I said, just remember that you... Sorry. Just remember that you are doing this stuff at all makes you more awesome than most. And I didn't really think much of it when I said it. But then Erin replied and said, thank you for saying that. And so I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I maybe that was some comfort to her. And then I thought, yeah, it's true. Like, as I say, like, not many people actually do put themselves forward, start writing stories or poems... And the fact that we do, it's really important to remember that that, that that sort of sets us apart from most people, that we are willing and brave enough to actually do that. And I don't think we celebrate our small victories, our little triumphs enough, because it's not easy to do that. Why does it make us more awesome than someone, for example, say there was an Ian Broom who made toilets um, for a living and he had a website that was ianbroomtoilets.com we've got some great analogies this this episode haven't we um and he was actually creating toilets and he had them up there and he was describing them he was showing people his, his handiwork and things like that is that not the same thing it is the same thing and I, t- I get what you're saying i'm not sort of saying that writers are better than people who fit toilets or or even plumbers maybe the same plumber from earlier on i'm not trying to sort of or you know or lawyers or doctors i'm not trying to say that all i mean is the fact that you are willing to put stuff out there most people don't do that they don't put their what, like you know art creative you know, creative stuff i'm i'm sounding a bit a bit kind of uh, like a ponce, but you know, artists, musicians, uh, creative people, the sort of people who uh, are like me and you, who are, and people who I imagine are listening to this show right now, not many people are like us where we actually make art and then go through the what is a sort of scary process of showing it to people or even asking for money back um, or or asking for feedback or anything like that. 
I know that I totally get what you mean, and I'm not trying to. Well, I'm, I think there's more to what I mean, though. But I'm quite a realist in the sense that everybody on this earth is trying to survive, and you either do that by giving things to people, taking things from people, or helping other people with things. That's, I mean, you know, when it comes down to it. So there are actually so hundreds of millions of people in the world who create things and then try to get other people to give them money for them even if it's not creative i just think it's 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 just the survival choice you you do what you feel you're best at or you're most you're going to be most successful at and if you if you've gone for writing it's partly because you absolutely adore it but also because ultimately we we do all have to have to do something yeah i mean i was i was just trying to cheer erin up you know <laughs> But I think there's a lot of lot of reasons to be cheerful. No, yeah, no, you're right. She might as well fit toilets. No, I'm saying that people that fit toilets could also, you know, get a Kickstarter s- going. No, they could have serious like crises of, of personal confidence where they think, "What am I doing? Where's that my- toilet good <laughs> enough that I that I created and installed in that person's apartment last week?" I've lost my system. <laughs> No, I know, yes. I know what you mean, and that, that's that's fine. I'm just, I'm just sort of, uh, I just think it's important to remember the small victories in your creative work. That's all I'm kind it of saying. Totally, totally is, and and we but, do, we do have that. That how dare you to go back to the actual listener's question? That is what we, that is how we feel intrinsically as artists and creators. We do think, you know, we do have a little voice that says, "How dare you? Why, you know, what are you thinking? Why on earth would you show that story to someone?" And that's the kind of internal battle we're all battling. Jason Ramos at Sweating Commons in our head. He's sat there saying, "How dare you!" Every time we want to do something, <laughs> the truth I think is, the, the simple answer is because we must, and not just because we must follow our creative instinct, but because we everybody has to do something. Everyone indeed. has to dare to do something. Indeed, and Jason himself, I should make it clear, is a writer and has done lots of putting himself out there himself. So you know, daredevil. Indeed, daredevil writers. Yeah, I think we need to end it there because uh, you may already know, but I've got a crying baby. Oh dear! Not, well, not, we've not enjoyed really. your your window rattles. They were going go, really going for it there during the listeners' questions. So that was. I, I hope everyone got a real sense of it. I know. I'm so sorry. I don't think I'm going to be able to edit them out as well. I just hope <laughs> that Dan doesn't listen. I don't think he will. Uh, oh, it just adds to the atmosphere. Don't worry. Let's hope so. Great. Well, you can find me at the flying pup. There, it's going again. I know. It's like it's like some kind of giant wasp. <laughs> at the flying poet on twitter um and on our hashtag wfyl yes with thank- questions and comments thank you to the people who have used it there are a list of people uh clueless erin fellman liz Furl, um um or uh, two or three other people <laughs> damn it haven't got the list but people are using the hashtag more people should use it it's definitely got potential as an idea you just need to get involved it's a place to talk about the show meet other writers and ask questions hashtag wfyl on twitter i'm ian brew i-a-i-n-b-r-o-o-m-e and i am going to find what's wrong with that child <laughs> see you next week everyone bye bye bye